Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Tim Phillips. Tim from... I was going to say from the east side, but I don't know for sure that you live on the east side, but... Uh, east I don't side, know. west side, it's all the same to me. It is, it is all the same. No matter where you are, you're on the east side of something. <laughs> That's very philosophical. I think that... That's. I think we should get a T-shirt that says that on it. Yeah, it's all about unification, people coming together. That's exactly right. And that's what I like to think this show is about, unification. Unification over movies that we may not always agree about. But... We can still... Yeah. Be, be cordial. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're the antithesis of film Twitter, where people can be, have disagreements and be cordial. And that's yeah. what it's all about. We're not we're not here to be nasty towards each other. We're here to educate, <laughs> learn from each other and Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Now shut up while I do the introduction. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. That's all right. I'll put, I'll put myself on mute right now. That's all right. And credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at three PM to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new coming-of-age comedy-drama, I Like Movies, which you can now stream on VOD. What an inoffensive little title. I Like Movies. Um, fitting that it opened... Well, I don't know if it opened the Toronto International Film Festival, but it was there. So it's... I, I feel like that's the perfect summation of TIFF. I Like Movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cute little title. <laughs> it's a cute little title. It's a very that cute... was the working title for end credits before you came up with end credits, right? I think... Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It was the I Like Movie show. Um, <laughs> Canadian movie, so it's also a very uh, warm and soothing title for a movie. Um, as I was saying, that's in the back half of the show. For this uh, first half of the show, we are going to continue on with our look back at the films in the Indiana Jones series. Last week, we kicked it off with Raiders of the Lost Ark. We are counting down to the release of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny on june the 30th for this week though tim and i are going to talk about indiana jones and the temple of doom Is that short for something? Willie is my professional name. Indiana. Hey, lady, you call him Dr. Jones. My professional name. Why are you dragging us off to this deserted palace? Fortune and glory? Fortune and glory. Well, this is a piece of an old manuscript. This pictograph represents Sankara. Gentle, gentle. This is hundreds of years old. Is that some kind of writing? Yeah, it's Sanskrit. Cut it out. It's part of the legend of Sankara. He climbs Mount Kalisa where he meets Shiva, the Hindu god. That's Shiva? And what's he handing the priest? Rocks. 
He told him to go forth and combat evil. And to help him, he gave him five sacred stones with magical properties. Magic rocks. My grandpa was a magician. He spent his entire life with a rabbit in his pocket and pigeons up his sleeves. He made a lot of children happy and died a very poor man. Magic rocks. Fortune and glory. Sweet dreams, Dr. Jones. So, Temple of Doom uh, comes out in 1984. It is, well, it turns 40 years old next year. So there's that. It's entering mm-hmm. middle age. Um, interestingly, it is technically a prequel because it takes place before Raiders of the Lost Ark. So this is George Lucas in 1984 already flirting with prequels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're in 1935. Uh, it features Indiana Jones. Uh, he shows up at Club Obi-Wan. Wink! Yeah, yeah, I caught that. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> um to uh, get a diamond in exchange for these um, remains of a ancient Chinese emperor. Uh, hijinks happen, and he and his compatriots, which are Willie Scott, a lounge singer played by Kate Capshaw, and Short Round, a uh, Chinese orphan played by Kei Hu, I should say, um, current or recent Academy Award winner for Best Supporting Actor, Kei Hu Kuang. Um, and they end up going to this, uh, legendary palace in India where there is, uh, skullduggery afoot. Um, and I guess that's a good place to begin with all this. It's like, um, how did you feel watching this in the year 2023? Because even at the time there was a lot of talk about white savior complex and the whole concept of, I guess, othering, uh, India, and othering the people of India with this uh, crazy human sacrifice cult. And of course, you know, the most famous scene, maybe perhaps arguably the most famous scene in Temple of Doom, the the lunch scene. Let's call yeah. it the let's call it the lunch scene with uh <laughs> eyeball soup, chilled monkey brains, uh snake surprise. I, I literally forgot it was called snake surprise in the film. <laughs> um and then, of course, uh, the 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 paratif of the uh, the giant cockroaches, are, or were they spiders? I don't know. But anyway, um, good times. Uh, probably not as culturally sensitive as uh, it could have been, but I think that's a, probably a good place to start talking about Temple of Doom. Is uh, let's call it the India problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was a problem back then too. Like doing the mm. research, they weren't allowed to shoot in India because government asked for the script. They wanted to shoot at big temple, mistake temple yeah. there, <laughs> and they were like, they're probably excited. They're like, oh, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas mm. want to shoot in India. This is great. And then they read the script, and they were like, what the heck is this? <laughs> What's with these crazy stereotypes, right? So mm. they ended up shooting in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Um, Temple of Doom uh, is a movie from my youth. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of those ones I grew up with, right? Like a six or seven, probably when I saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you can see it did start the PG-13 rating because there's mm-hmm. so much violence. Mm-hmm. But the thing I remembered from back then was the eyeball soup. Mm-hmm. Like when you said, Tim, we're going to do Temple of Doom again. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the one with the eyeball soup. <laughs> that's how i remember it right and now watch it again and give it and and it's crazy because this is like this is an action-packed movie Mm -hmm. 
it's like action for action's sake mm-hmm. that I think you talked about the prequel. It, it, it was a prequel to prequels, right? Mm-hmm. In that they did this. And then I think it was a prequel to action for action's sake movies because this movie is just like excuse for action, excuse for action all throughout. Just like mm-hmm. it just wants to be a ride kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yet given all that action, the thing that stuck with me as a kid was still the eyeball soup. Mm-hmm. The thing that still sticks with me watching again is like the eyeball soup. <laughs> Because it was just so odd, right? Mm-hmm. And not not for uh, not because it's racist, which it pro- it is racist as well, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that they're saying, okay, in India they're going to serve you monkey brains and eyeball soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not the case, and you could see even pre like more pre woke times like like now we're we're more aware and stuff even before mm. this in like cont- interviews when it came out and shortly afterwards steven spielberg i think was a bit embarrassed by it mm. and he even said and if this is the case it's kind of clever but it doesn't come across in the movie he said that during the banquet scene the reason he did that is because of western stereotypes of what indian food would be right so these indian hosts are playing with those stereotypes saying, okay, you think we're going to serve you cockroaches? We'll serve you cockroaches. Right. You know, we'll serve you monkey brains and eyeballs. It's sort of like a joke on the Westerners, but mm-hmm. that doesn't come across. I think when you know, no, if, I mean, if that was the intent, it, it, it's, it's, it's like, it's so dry as, as sort of like a, a satire. Um, and, and, I do. I I wonder if that's a bit of retconning on the part because I I I I think Roseanne Seth, who plays the prime minister in that scene, he he said something similar. Uh, I I so I I mean I I don't doubt that maybe that was the intent, but on the other hand, it just it they handled it badly. If that was the thing, like it would have been. I mean, would it would it have been so hard to insert a scene of like some of the waiters going like, "Yeah, we just took out the cockroaches," <laughs> <laughs> or something like that? It yeah, just, yeah. It, it it I I do wonder if they were just taking things a bit too far. Um, I mean, there's so. I, what I will say is, we're watching this. I found some of the Orientalism much worse like the, the the sequence at the beginning in the in the with the chinese gangsters that was let's say not as woke as as yeah. as as you would have liked there there is a lot of interesting dynamic going on in the when when they get to the palace in india and you know the the indian villagers um you know are are people who have been you know pushed to their limits they're desperate they're starving um I appreciate that there's still like kind of this white savior complex to it that is is kind of distasteful. But just what struck me as worse was the Orientalism, like these like cackling, two timing, two faced Chinese gangsters who yeah. um, <laughs> are just spend the entire sequence uh, just you know making deals and immediately betraying uh the the deal they're making and uh you know there's there's a scene where they poison indiana jones and he he puts a fork in uh willie scott and he's like give me the antidote and he, and the what's the name of the the main gangster lao fei or something he's like oh, yeah. yeah just yeah kill her whatever <laughs> it doesn't matter to me <laughs> <laughs> lao che yeah lao che that's right um 
it, it's just it's that stuff I, I found kind of much more grotesque than some of the Indian stuff and it's like right there at the beginning of the movie <laughs> yeah well I think this movie right it was you can say it's simpler times and it it, mm. it, it killed at the box office it was ama- like amazing at the box office and mm. I remember it from my youth yeah Temple of Doom that was one of the big big movies of the time but yeah you can look back at it and, and it is yeah racially insensitive like the fr- i like the i like the opening number by yeah kate, kate capshaw um as willie scott where she sings anything goes mm-hmm. she is singing it in mandarin so then my 2023 like spidey sense gets goes up and i'm like what you know this is kind of weird but then you can see <laughs> okay she there she's entertaining in in china here but yeah mm-hmm. then the chinese gangsters are all stereotypes um i think short round i really liked him yeah no short round's Uh, like interesting and you know uh he he ends up sort of being the hero to a point because the sequence in the temple where indiana jones is like under the thrall it's it's short round who who gets him to snap out of it and is kind of like the the um i i guess like sort of the the person who kicks off the big action sequence at the end where he gets it where he gets indiana jones to recover his faculties who then starts finding the guys and rescues willie and then uh they get out of the they get out of the temple it's it's short round short round is the hero which i appreciated yeah yeah that was great but i i think a lot of the criticism at the time was that it was uh mean-spirited mm. i don't know how intentional but and then like george lucas blamed it on the the excuse he gave was that him and Steven Spielberg were both going through divorces at the time mm. and they had a really sort of negative outlook. And then Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. was asked to write uh, Temple of Doom mm-hmm. and he refused because he just said it was too too <laughs> negative, too mean spirited. Mm-hmm. And he had some clout at that point because he directed Body Heat and the Big Chill. So mm-hmm. he, he, he didn't have to go for that paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. but um yeah it's just it's kind of this really odd movie that like as a kid i just took at face value didn't think about all these issues and mm-hmm. sort of said oh this is the big indiana jones movie right mm-hmm. um but now and when you look back at it there are definitely a lot of problems with it and i think one of the bigger problems and it, one that critics of the day said was it's just like there's no real no real plot that's of interest to it it's great it's like just this action it's just this ride basically mm-hmm. but like the plot is saving these child laborers which is problematic in itself right <laughs> right <laughs> you know so it's it's you know the the whole the whole motivation behind it is flawed mm. but it is a precursor i think like when they're at one point I'm like, this is like a ride when they're mm-hmm. like on the tracks and they're, you know, mm-hmm. it seemed like, okay, this is like the Indiana Jones ride. I could see this. This is going to be a ride at universal studios or something. Right. Right. So, right. That's interesting yeah. too. Like structurally rewatching Raiders um, last week. It's, it's very meticulous in its design. It's, it, and I talked to Peter about this. You can like break off Raiders in these like 10 to 12 minute chunks 
where you get like a complete sort of sequence from like character development, action, plot, and you can separate them that's like these 10 to 12 minute chunks, and it just goes chunk, 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 chunk until you get to the end. It's there's a real economy to the storytelling. This doesn't kind of have that focus where you get you get that big opening musical number, which is like the closest Spielberg came to doing a musical until West Side Story. Um, you get this like film noirish kind of double cross sequence in the club. You get the the escape out of the plane, and then they get to the village, and there's it's just this like a completely like sort of I don't know out of Africa sequence, although it's in India, where it's just like it's like the misery of this of this place. <laughs> um, and you know, look at everything that's happened to them, and then they get on their way to the the palace, and um, they get to the palace. There's that horrid dinner sequence. Um, there's this kind of like sex comedy sequence too, where you know, yeah. Indiana like out Jones. of nowhere they're gonna, <laughs> yeah. they're gonna make they're like, love out of nowhere kind of yeah, thing. yeah, it, yeah. you know it's like something out of a like a 60s like rom-com um and, and then you get into the temple and then that kind of you get into this whole sequence too where indiana jones is forced to drink the the zombie juice or whatever it is and and then yeah. but then you get to that end sequence where you're finally kind of hitting those action strides i think what it speaks to is, yeah, there's personal stuff going on in the lives of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg at this point that they're probably not feeling great about. But there's also like these usual like Temple of Doom comes out a year after Return of the Jedi. So Lucas is done with Star Wars. At least, you know, he thinks at the time I'm done with Star Wars. What am I going to do next? Well, I have this other thing uh, called Indiana Jones. Spielberg coming off of his biggest success ever et on the cusp of going on to this new journey where he's like i don't want to be the blockbuster guy i want to be like the serious auteur guy like because what does he do after temple of doom he does color purple which is this like way off track in terms of like what people would have accepted from him and probably would have accepted from him today this like deeply um personal story about black america from from director steven spielberg so this is somebody who's desperate to kind of train change the channel on himself and i think you sort of see that and if if there are times when temple of doom feels schizophrenic i think it's because of like a lot of the prefer the professional frustrations of lucas and spielberg at the time and you know you mentioned um I don't know if it was before we started recording or not that, you know, that there was a whole thing that Lucas wanted a, a, you know, a lost kingdom where there's like dinosaurs in a valley and things like that. And so this is like the start of kind of a creative friction between the two of them. And it was sort of, it sort of comes back to haunt, especially when we get to kingdom of the crystal skull at the end of this, that creative friction, because one of the reasons that took yeah. so long to develop was Ford Spielberg and Lucas could not get on the same page. Uh, about the story so it, it it is i think an artifact of when you get creative talents in a room trying to replicate previous success while at the same time trying to decide what happens next in their careers and this is more than just about creating an indiana jones sequel this is about like filmmakers at a 
at a fork in the road and two two very different filmmakers two very different forks in the road too yeah and it might have been rushed because mm-hmm. i know george lucas he and he probably lucas you know he made it he made it mega big probably mm-hmm. before spielberg right with star wars that would be well no jaws was before jaws that was so first, but, yeah. but like lucas i think like from what I read, really, he's like, I don't want to lose Steve on this. I don't want Steven to go. He just did ET. Mm-hmm. We need him to do this. Mm-hmm. We have a limited time. We got to get in here, shoot this mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. and and then they did it. They did the rough cut, and they're like, this is way too fast because it's just action sequence after action <laughs> sequence. And so they actually had to put in, they said like mat shots to slow it down and stuff, and. And, and, and so it was kind of like, you know, what's the purpose of this film, really? And mm-hmm. I don't think there was a lot of great planning, because I also read that um, Spielberg, when he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark, or after that, I'm not sure, Lucas said, well, you know, this is a trilogy. So mm-hmm. if you want you do this one, you have to do the other. And and Spielberg said, and then he went to Lucas, and Lucas hadn't didn't <laughs> have the ideas, hadn't written the other two. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. And it was like the 80s. There's probably pressure from the studios. They want another big box office movie here. That's right. And so there's probably a lot of like cynical intentions to it. Because, you know, George Lucas at the time, he produced uh, Howard the Duck, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest flops ever. And he's like just pumping money into that, just wanting to get the next hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Directed by Temple of Doom screenwriter Willard Hayek. Yeah. So Willard... <laughs> uh, Willard isn't one of my favorites, I don't think. <laughs> but you know that that was the times, right? It was you know we got to get these out, these big movies. They're like the the new shiny toy right now. Mm-hmm. We we got to get these out, and so that's what they did with Temple of Doom, and it worked. I remember as a kid, like mm-hmm. Temple of Doom was the big movie at that time, right? So, mm-hmm. um, well, it comes out the summer of eighty four. And I mean that was the summer of Gremlins, Ghostbusters. Um, you know, it, it's it's a year. Let's just say um, mm-hmm. of, and it's, it's also a year like these kind of. It's interesting what you kind of get away with kids movies. I mean, there's a lot of commentary about how like how dark Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom is. I wonder how much of that is just like a feeling you get from it because of the subject matter it's about a like an evil cult and they're using child labor and they're you know sacrificing people is that as it also it's subterranean like much of the like last half of the film is entirely underground so i do wonder if that sort of like uh adds the just because it feels dark uh people see it as dark because i you know again revisiting raiders it's like well you think you know marion is killed like almost five minutes after meeting her, you know, there's a, there's a scene where a monkey is poisoned. Uh, there's, you know, the snakes in the pit in the, in the well of the souls. And, um, you know, this, this creepy guy, this creepy Nazi, who's always <laughs> probably one of the creepiest Nazis ever put to film. Um, yeah. It's just, there, there's a lot in Raiders that's dark. I, and I'm not sure that, temple of doom really eclipse it i i think it's like really kind of more of a a vibe because you get this um in the summer of 84 you get gremlins 
um, yeah. which is actually probably way more violent than Temple of Doom. Uh, you get Ghostbusters, which has a lot of adult stuff going on, uh, fellatio from a ghost and all of that. And yeah. of course, the, like the next summer too, you get um, Return to Oz. And that's the movie that messed me up as a kid. It's like, oh, there's a sequel to Wizard of Oz. Let's go watch Return to Oz. Big yeah. mistake. Um, well, I mean, at, at, the, at the time, never being been the same. At the time, like being seven or eight and going to see Return yeah. to Oz. Um, but yeah, it, it's just that it's. I think it's the times. I I do wonder if Temple of Doom gets unfairly shellacked with like this thing was so dark we had to come up with a new film rating for it. Like, yeah. I, I I just I think I think that's a bit unfair because I, I I do I. Watching the watching them almost back to back, I do wonder just how dark, um, or or how we consider how how darker Temple of Doom is compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think they're both kind of maybe in terms of like some of the violence and the themes are probably about the same. Yeah, and I wonder how much it comes down to the marketing because Raiders of the Lost Ark that's slightly before my time, so I mm. don't know like was that marketed to kids. But it seems to me like maybe it wasn't as much as like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, bring it up could two be. other great ones like Ghostbusters and Gremlins. I had like a Gremlins lunchbox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the thing. It, it, in the eighties, it became sort of like marketing machine mm-hmm. for children. Uh, and, and so, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think maybe was just before that. I'm thinking mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I don't know like kids had the lunch boxes really maybe they did but it seemed mm-hmm. like once it got into the like mid 80s almost which is 84 mm-hmm. it became like okay and with vhs the popularity of vhs as well mm-hmm. at that point you know families could they could get a uh, videotape kids can watch ghostbusters what have you at home mm-hmm. you don't go to the theater mm-hmm. uh, i think that that was part of it and the funny thing is yeah like as much as now I'm watching and some of the stuff in Temple of Doom's disturbing me now <laughs> as a kid, I didn't, yeah, I just like water off a duck's back. It was more like the, uh, eyeball soup. That was the thing I remembered the most. <laughs> it's like all the kids talked about is the eyeball soup. It's like, did you see the eyeball soup? It's like, well, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah. I, I think that's it just like sort of viscerally that that's the thing that kind of, that's I mean that that whole sequence sticks out for me. I, I'm not sure if if I felt particularly perturbed by the eyeball soup as so much as I felt the idea of like eating bugs. Um yeah. and then like the chilled monkey brains too, because I like whoever designed those monkey heads, um like those were like some really expressive monkey heads for <laughs> for the chilled monkey brain. <laughs> and you know what really sticks out to me about that sequence too is um the guy who's sitting across from Willie who's like really into it. And he's like, "Ooh, chilled monkey brains! Like this is the, this is like the creme brulee of desserts to this guy. It's just you know, wow. <laughs> the the Madarasha went all the way on this one, chilled monkey brains. Um, now, now that I'm talking about it, maybe this, maybe it is more of explicitly an in joke than I thought because this guy was way too into like the <laughs> the grotesqueness of this dinner. But <laughs> it's funny. It's funny though." Um, follow that guy around that would have been a cool movie oh yeah no it's uh yeah they should they should give him a disney plus series (laughs) um (laughs) well i want to talk a bit about 
um, maybe some positives. Um, one of the things I will acknowledge is that this is probably the best Indiana Jones score by John Williams. I think it's probably one of his top five scores. Um, that's sort of like um, that additional sort of march. There's, there's of course, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark march, but there's like another march that's introduced in this that you hear a lot in the in the the tunnel sequence and well in the 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 cart chase that is um that really sticks with you i i I think the music in this is probably some of john williams best music um i i think that uh what's the name of the actor he's a very famous indian actor who plays uh the head priest guy ah yeah malaram played by amrish puri i think uh he doesn't get to do a lot but uh, he has this like wonderful massage, uh, mustache twirling sort of villainy. You know, he has this big mouth too. So when he like lat, like he has this ability to, um, when he's like being really sadistic, his eyes get really big, and he has this like big goofy grin that's just like really off putting. I I found him like I found him to be like kind of silly and scary in equal measure, which uh, I liked a lot. I think Kate Capshaw gets a lot of crap dumped on her for, um playing Willie because I, I think the whole yeah. point is that she's like kind of an antithesis to Marion. She's not equipped for dealing with these things. And I, you know, watching this, I gotta I gotta say it's like you want to stick your hand in a hole in the wall with full of bugs to pull a lever? Uh I don't. No. I I would be the Willie <laughs> I'd be Scott in this. Too, yeah. I would be the yeah. Willie Scott in this. I would be screaming yeah. constantly with all these bugs running around. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like she gets too much crap from from yeah. people i i i i think that's a very serviceable trilogy or our triad you get in this with indiana jones and short round and willie i i i feel like i feel like it's a better team than we, we give it credit for and uh yeah i i think the cast overall is is very very good um i i, I acknowledge that um i don't think this is a this is a complete reclamation project in terms of like a lot of people look back now and say like, you know, the temple of doom is much better than people think. It's like, yeah, maybe, but it's, it's still, it still doesn't reach that potential that Raiders has. And it, it lacks a certain heart and humor that comes back with, um, with last crusade, what that makes that so eminent, eminently rewatchable, which we'll dig into next week with Candace. Yeah, I agree with you on the the Willie character. I think yeah, it's I enjoyed the character. I felt like you know, it, it bit of the stereotype, but um I don't think uh Kate Capshaw and Steven Spielberg did themselves any favors in the years since Temple of Doom. Mm. Cuz she just said, "Oh, that character was just a screaming blonde." Yeah. And he said, "I uh, wish he hadn't done temple of doom except he met his future wife on it that's the only reason (laughs) it was he's glad he did it kind of thing so i'll I'll say it again if i were any character in this thing of the three main characters i would be the willie scott i would be be completely useless i'd have yeah yeah, bugs on me and i'd be crying like i don't want i don't want to be in that cart like going over lava pits and and like half completed tracks and the break goes out like no so yeah it's i I think kate capshaw can let herself off the hook um and you know you know her and steven spielberg have had a long loving marriage out of it you know they're still together and um you know cut cut yourself some slack guys it's just temple of doom (laughs) look back on with fondness on it 
like on your yeah. milestone anniversaries always screen temple that's of doom right. yeah. yeah yeah that's whole movies yeah, exactly in that a was... certain context <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um temple of doom uh interesting relic from the 80s um and uh well worth well worth revisiting if you feel in the mood if you're counting down to dial of destiny like we are here we're gonna have to leave indiana jones alone till next week though we're going to have to swing over to burlington in the year 2000 and talk about i like movies and whether or not we like this movie you're listening to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, 12 campus and community radio. I've seen a lot of valleys, I've seen a lot of peaks I've seen the bitter with the sweet victory and defeat Sometimes I fell, but a voice kept saying Son, stick to your vision, peep the composition seen a lot of shame in the game seen a lot of pain with the fame seen a lot of highs and lows But that's just the way life I just don't understand why you won't apply to Canadian universities Because I don't want to be like a Canadian filmmaker What about Adam McGuane or David Rowe? Cronenberg. Cronenberg, oh my Didn't god. Where did he go? No, Mom, I want to go to NYU. Anyone else in your class going to NYU? Where are they going? I don't know. They're like, probably going to go to like Guelph honey, or something. NYU They're idiots. Very expensive. Tourism We're talking and about business American management. Tuition. Do you happen to have like 90,000 US? It doesn't cost that much. Oh, we'll ask Jeez when we get home how much it costs. You just don't think I'm going to get in. That's yeah, all it is. Yeah, you have no idea. The book I had to deal with after your father. Okay, you know, I have a lot of terrible things in my life. Most people don't have all my things. They might have some of my things, but not everything. It's not a contest. Our lives are equally hard. Okay, I'm not waiting two hours while you walk around a video store. So you're going in and you're going to rent one movie and then we're leaving, right? Right? Don't slam that door. Okay, so that was a clip from I Like Movies. It is the new film from writer-director Chandler Lavac, and it stars Isaiah Letinen. Romanen Dogo, Percy Heiner's White, Andy McQueen, Eden Cupid, and Krista Bridges. Uh, you may be forgiven for not knowing anyone on that cast list. This is a Canadian movie. And uh, set in Canada, and I guess around about the year 2000, uh, Big Shiny Tunes was name dropped. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's it takes place in a video store predominantly. It's about this 17-year-old kid named Lawrence who uh, is a burgeoning cinephile, wants to go to NYU film school, starts working at a video store um, where he begrudgingly has to promote the home video release of Shrek. And uh, <laughs> the special I'll, features, nothing new to it. Just the yeah. special feet. It's all about the special features. Yeah. Um, hashtag Loglin physical media. But uh, it, it does sound like a nostalgia trip. I would characterize this, though, as kind of like anti nostalgia. I feel like uh, Chandler Levac is kind of saying this was not a great time. I'm acknowledging that this was an important time for me. Mm -hmm. uh, she she based the the main character. This is sort of based on her experience. Interestingly, she decided to um, focus on a male protagonist instead of a female protagonist. But this is based on her life experiences working at a video store. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I, I do feel like this is anti-nostalgia. She's saying this is an important time, but uh, it's maybe important for all the the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trouble a lot of a troubling time for her, but mm. yeah, I gotta say I loved. I like movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just I thought this was perfect, and mm. it. Yeah, I think I think it might have been like 2003 is the period, and it's in Burlington, mm -hmm. and like it just it just hits all the marks. It hits like you know being in the suburbs, mm. um, the high school experience. Um, the lead actor Isaiah Letnin, mm -hmm. I think, is amazing as Lawrence. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought he was hilarious, and then it's just so funny right out of the gate. And there are some jokes about going to Guelph for university. A yes. couple of them. Yeah. Really, really funny. He he's got these, you know, delusions of grandeur, you know, he's grandiose <laughs> ideas. I'm gonna go to NYU Tisch School for the Arts, mm -hmm. become this famous filmmaker. Mm -hmm. his favorite he, favorite he filmmaker. Want to be a Canadian filmmaker. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and then his mother in the car is like, oh, like uh, Adam McGowan or David, and she mispronounces Cronenberg and he gets yep. all upset. He's yep. Like, yep. Um I think it's just perfect <laughs> about like the cinephile who has these these dreams of being this great director and his favorite director is like Stanley Kubrick. So mm -hmm. and you can see how he's kind of like an outcast with his um classmates except for his one friend mm -hmm. and they have uh, rejects night mm -hmm. on saturday nights where they watch saturday night live mm -hmm. and it, 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 just the opening just so funny with him and his mom in the car when he's going to the video store <laughs> um and she's like have you thought about college university and and he's like yeah nyu school for the arts i've got big plans for this um mm -hmm. And she's like, well, what about a Canadian university? And he's like, well, what do I want to go to Guelph or something like that? <laughs> so it's, well, it's the, jo the joke. The great joke is he says, like, what am I going to do? Go to Guelph and study tourism and business management, which is so pointed. <laughs> it is such a pointed joke yeah. um, because, I mean, Guelph is this is inside baseball, but University of Guelph has been heavily promoting the Lang School. What do you go to Lang School go for? It's business management and tourism and all these like sort of business adjacent things. So it's like someone really did their research. It it is yeah. um which I appreciate. The details are impeccable. <laughs> yeah, and Ch Ch Chandler Levac, um apparently she worked in a blockbuster store. And once we get in the video store where he gets his job. Mm -hmm. it struck me like this is blockbuster or like jumbo video or something this mm -hmm. is just like you could see like the carpeting everything mm -hmm. the antiseptics are in nature of it all mm -hmm. um it just it, it hit home so she hit all those points and like the lead performance by lawrence is like it's so funny to start and then you see that that moment where he's sort of having a little bit of a mental breakdown and you can see it and then he does it so well. I think the mm -hmm. acting by him is mm -hmm. just just amazing because it's just so realistic. It's like, yeah, this is this kid that comes across like a misanthrope, but really he's 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 hurting for mm -hmm. you know because his father committed suicide, so mm -hmm. that's major. But also he's this outcast at school. He only has the one friend. He thinks he's better than the friend, right? Yeah. And he uh, so he's a real flawed character. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But I think he does it so well. Like to start, I was thinking it was kind of like Jonah Hill in Super Bad kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But then I think it went even. It became more authentic to me just a, as the movie went on and as he made his choices and as he alienated people. It just seemed more more real to me. And uh, Chandler Levac, like you said, I did not know anything about this. Well, I knew I saw the clip where he's in the car. Mm-hmm. Before he goes in the video store where he says he doesn't want to go to Guelph. <laughs> I saw that before. It was in the trailer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in the trailer like last year or something. So it's still in my mind. But it, it, uh, but like then I learned more about it afterwards. So I thought Chandler Levac, once I Googled it after I watched the movie, I thought, oh, that's probably a male director. And it was a female director. And she said that she wanted, she didn't want to be pigeonholed and so Mm. she decided to go with a male protagonist Mm -hmm. i think it would have been great either way it might have even been more interesting with a female protagonist but Mm. i think she did just it's just it's so authentic and funny at the same time and sad and it leaves you thinking afterwards because you're you're thinking about you know what we all go through, you know, could have problems in high school, personal mm-hmm. problems, problems with your family, mm-hmm. you know, it, it affects all of us. And he, and um, Lawrence here, he's thinking, I don't want to go any, I don't want to go to any Canadian universities. And then it's just, it's, it's so cool that like, he finally embraces the capital of Canada. Right? <laughs> that was a great line. He embraces it <laughs> and he goes there and he meets a cast of misfits who accept him into their fold kind of, kind of thing. And yeah, and that Crapital line too, like I yeah. know Chan- Chandler wrote this, but I thought I saw that they were going to crack when he said that. So I was wondering <laughs> if that was improvised because it's during this sort of, you know, dark scene where they're talking about it's the anniversary of, well, it's the father's birthday, the dead father's yeah, birthday. That's right. Yeah. And they're celebrating it. And then he said that Crapital line. And I could have swore the mother was about to crack when he said it. So it's it could be. I mean, it's it's kind of that good and um, yeah. <laughs> more like national capital. Um, <laughs> I burst out laughing when he said that. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I love the bittersweetness of it. I love that it's. I love that Lawrence is not in especially lovable. Um, he is like what what I find interesting is like I'm gonna NYU and I'm gonna be a filmmaker and you see him do like precious little actual filmmaking in this movie. Yeah. Um yeah. he's kind of more of a film appreciator because he's always talking about like PTA and um you know when you <laughs> I love the scene <laughs> where he's in the video this before he works at the video store. He's in the video store and he's recommending to this couple who are arguing about like what rom-com to rent. And he's like, Hey, have you ever seen Todd Soldis's happiness? <laughs> and then he explains the plot. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't think I could explain the plot plot of happiness on CFRU, but uh, it's, it just, it's, it's so, it, it's so on point. And I remember, I remember being this kid to a certain extent. It's like, I'm too good for Shrek. And I here I, I used to work in the electronics department of of sellers, so you know I I I got a chance to get on my high horse about people buying Shrek, um and and, and other similar um movies, especially as like copies of Evil Dead on VHS, uh, Evil Dead Two, like kept 
piling up, but um, neither here nor there. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, there is something so true to it, including the fact that he's like, I'm going to be this great filmmaker and we never see him make films. And I, what I, one of the things I, I also found interesting, the granted it was the times, but like the prominent mention of, of punch truck love, the, paul thomas anderson movie because i find that levac is channeling a lot of pta um you have a protagonist whose likability is questionable he has this wicked ambition he's not unaccustomed to betraying the people closest to him he has inappropriate thoughts about his much older boss and uh and you know, at a certain point, it comes crashing down around him, and he has to rebuild. It's it it feels like there's some sort of connective tissue there between like this prominent mention of PTA. And I was thinking especially of PTA's most recent one, Licorice Pizza, where it follows a lot of these same beats. It's retail based. It's about disillusionment. It's about falling in love with someone who's probably not appropriate you to for you to fall in love with and um all of these sorts of things so it's it's very truthful in that regard um in, in terms of like the autobiographical stuff in the story but it, it also feels like levac is having a bit i don't know if it's intentional or not but i i do feel that there's there's some there, there's some sort of deep communication going on between Levac and, and PTA in this as well, whether, it, as I said, whether that's intentional or not. Yeah. And he takes his friend to, and his friend's like, Oh, I'm an Adam Sandler fan. And that's they had right. watched, <laughs> they had watched him do the Hanukkah song probably when he was, would have been hosting, I guess, SNL. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, this isn't a normal Adam Sandler. This is PTA. This is, you know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. all about PTA. And he's wearing this like wild hat, like, He's got, the hats are amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing all these hats. Like he, yeah. he, like he's getting in the role of the film director, where he's not really doing a whole lot, right? You mm-hmm. see him like, you know, editing video at one point, really briefly, but then he he just can't, you know, he, he thinks of himself too too highly, so he mm-hmm. alienates himself from the people making the end of year video for the school, mm-hmm. including his best friend, and then he's jealous of his best friend's dating someone who actually got into Ryerson film school and she helps make the film and he, he doesn't want to be a part of that. Right. So he's just Karen P. Yeah. Karen P (laughs) or Lauren P. Sorry. It's Lauren P. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a, that's such a detail. I remember from school because you know, there was Sarah W and then there was like a couple years in elementary school. There were two Sarah's with the last name W in my class, which was especially, tumultuous times but that, just that little detail hey it's it's not lauren it's lauren p yeah it's all perfect <laughs> it's just it, it's just so authentic and mm-hmm. uh yeah and uh the score was done by murray lightburn from the deers yep uh montreal band that were they probably still going but they were big in the early 2000s as well so yeah i think they're still going i think they're still releasing yeah. new stuff yeah so it really hits hits those points and uh yeah, I thought, yeah, and and it doesn't do too much, right? Like mm-hmm. I was thinking, like Jonah Hill, super bad. Mm-hmm. I really like that that film, but even in those films, like those Judd Apatow, there'd be like scenes that are just for comedic purposes, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Or in any like those Hollywood movies, it's like, oh, we need Will Ferrell to have a cameo here, so we'll mm-hmm. we'll insert this scene. 
Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it just seemed it's so real because it didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't like, well, oh, there's, here's there's an improv one moment. scene or something. There's one moment when he's having the meeting with the the the, the video store chain's upper management. Oh, and yeah. He's t- and he's telling Lawrence, like, you can have a job for 30 or 40 years. That was that was a that was a, a very pointed meta moment that kind of took me out of the movie that I wish it wasn't there because it's purely for the enjoyment of of people in 2023 who know that you oh, know yeah, the video store there, yeah. there's there's not a lot of like the there, this was a, this was the beginning of the end of, of video stores like the end was in sight um although people didn't know it at the time so i mean that's that that's like a little nitpick it's just like that was a little too on the nose to have the the management guy from the, the chain go but like you can have a long career in video stores yeah. <laughs> and just and just sit here in 2023 and go no you can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little too clever there i think a little too yeah. clever that's right yeah, yeah. but uh yeah <laughs> and I, I thought the um his boss too the relationship with her that was yeah, interesting. Like you said, he sort of she like was has good. a cr- crush on her, and she, she was really good. Romina Dugo. Yeah, Romina Dugo, and she uh, made up that lie that the reason she dropped out, she went to Guelph, right, for theater, mm-hmm. and the reason she dropped out is because her roommate committed suicide. Mm-hmm. That comes back to bite her when she finds out the truth about uh, Lawrence's father, and then she tells the story about being an actress, going to Hollywood, and being mm-hmm. sexually assaulted mm-hmm. and which you know ring rings true from that time especially and still oh, rings goes true on. from these times yeah these times too yeah it's yeah that was i mean that's kind of a bit of the um the, the the disillusionment part too is you know he has these pie in the sky ideals about filmmaking and and you know what what that will bring him and you know she kind of dumps a lot of cold water on that that you know these these things are are not as you know great as maybe you think they are i do wonder her story i wonder if that was uh her 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 story about her roommate um dying by suicide uh if that was a a a nod to rules of attraction which is a a film about uh, a couple of roommates who try to um, kill their roommate and make it look like a suicide so that they could get good grades. I don't know if that was pointed or not, but um, <laughs> so something to think about. <laughs> something to ponder on. Something to ponder. Yeah. 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 I was when, cause she had lied about that other story, mm-hmm. but this probably wouldn't have worked. I was thinking, what if she lied about that other, <laughs> the next story and she's just a compulsive liar. Cause you meet mm-hmm. a lot of people like when you've got jobs like that, that are, mm-hmm. you know, I've had a lot of like Joe jobs. We used to call them in the day mm-hmm. and you'd meet people that had a lot, you know, a lot of BS artists out there. Right. So mm-hmm. that would have been interesting if that had been a lie. I don't think it would have worked with the movie, but at first no. when she told the story, cause like the whole other story was a complete lie too. Mm-hmm. you're wondering mm-hmm. but but that was the reason and i've you know heard stories from people in the industry attractive women who've been like worked mm-hmm. in the film industry who've had same experiences so yeah and you dead end and you know there's, there's a whole there's a whole ton of promise that you know being cast as sorority girl number two is going to lead to something later on and it's i mean it's it the viciousness i i it, you know the I don't know 
if how much of the the detail about that character if that was based on someone Chandler Levesque knew personally but I mean the detail of it it isn't just about the specifics of the story it's about like it's about rubbing Lawrence's face and the idea that uh, success doesn't just happen and you can work your ass off and to, to be a success at something. And, you know, the, the kid Lawrence, you know, it, as we've been talking about, he's kind of lazy. He's kind of got, he's got issues that he's trying to work through. He's kind of self-centered. He's, prof- he's profoundly high-minded of himself. Like I'm going to, I can, not only can I, get into nyu film school which is on every filmmaker's list if you want to be a filmmaker everybody wants to go to nyu film school that's the place you go that or usc um but that he will ignore like like he gets a ten thousand dollar scholarship to go to carlton it's like well clearly the kid's got some kind of game clearly some people someone sees talent there but he's got this like very myopic vision that can only end in tragedy and that's what alana kind of rubs his face and it's like well i had these these ambitions i had these dreams and it just dead ends with me having to move back home and work at a video store it's yeah, yeah. it's 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 such it's such a brutal cup of cold water regardless of the details i mean because that that is a story the the 99 have when it comes to filmmaking well it's, for sure <laughs> yeah and then with his friend there uh matt mm-hmm. um Matt Marichuk. Matt Marichuk. And then, like, he tells him one night when he's over, I think for a rejects night to watch Saturday Night Live, he tells him, You're just a placeholder to me. Yeah. Like, I can, yeah. uh, what I expect once I go to New York, I'm going to have all new friends. Real friends. Yeah. Real right. friends. This is yeah. just, you're just a placeholder. Yeah. And then it comes, you know, at the end when he sees Matt, Matt's got a girlfriend, he's happy. Did that year end video? They do a Q and A for the year end video. <laughs> That's right. Just to have a little table set up. Yeah. And Lawrence is like one of the only ones there to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt finds out that uh, Lawrence says, "Oh, I've been accepted to university." And Matt was like, "NYU." And Lawrence is like, "No, Ottawa." And you yeah. see this little grin on Matt's face. Right? Yeah. It's sort yeah. Of, yeah. It's just you reap what you sow kind of thing right so yeah you reap what you sow but the other thing i appreciate too is that the, the, you know the, lawrence is genuinely trying like lessons are learned mm-hmm. um and, and you, you actually see him over try when he gets to carlton and uh, olana gives him the advice like to ask people questions and find out what's behind them and then he, he's introduced to this group of kids and he's just spitting out questions <laughs> it's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of cute in a, a in a way um but yeah, this oh, what a joy. What a little joy. I like movies. Um great little Canadian film. Yeah, uh, I loved it. I really I really loved the whole movie and the lead performance too cuz you said yeah. like he's cute. He's cute so he can get away with being an a-hole basically, right? <laughs> like for me I, I liked him throughout even though I guess he's an unlikable character, right? So Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's worth checking out. It's easy to find on VOD, so please do find it. As for us, that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. If you want to listen to us again, you can find the show on our website, endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday on Podbean or through your favorite app like Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can find the music for End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU 
We're also on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Tim, where can people find you out there on the internet? You can find me flashing the deadpan on the internet, and let me know if there's any other Canadian movies I should check out. Oh, there's probably a few. Um, there's always a few. Uh, I will be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. for news and politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And credits will return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another new episode, and we will see you then. Thank you.